This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome and thank you very much for tuning in to Country Duty on CliffCentral.com. We just played you the mighty um, Vitz Choir, Gosisi Yelela, the uh, original version. My name is Katla Khomuhuladzi and I am with Dumi Sole from Country Duty. We would just like you say thank you for joining us tonight. Good evening. Um, as Katla has said, I am Dumi. My handle is at Dumi Sole. This is our first show for 2018, and thank you for tuning in once again. Today's show is going to be exciting in our view, and we hope that you will also make it meaningful. We have um, Mukove in studio. Most of you know him as Maurice Masuta, and as the WMC Media has it, they call him a Jacob Zuma spy. We will ask him about certain allegations, and and he'll probably clear the record. We ask you to send through your questions on our WhatsApp, which is 079-748-2090. I'll repeat the number. 079-748-2090. We will read your WhatsApps, we'll listen to your voice notes and get the show going. How has 2018 been so far for you, Katleha? Yo, 2018, it's, it's a mess, man. I don't know where I am right now. I have absolutely no direction. <laughs> worse, 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 worse. But it's fine. It's fine. I'll get my feet. I'll get my feet. It's, it's the f- first few days. You know, I figured I'm going to actually just start the year in February, like January is just a trial month for me this year. So no, nothing's set in stone. Nothing's happening. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to recover from December still. How was your festive leadership? My festive has been great. You know, some of us are still on leave thanks to um, having worked throughout December. So we're still enjoying our last days. Um, and uh, So when you're busy, they're slaving away. This is the thing. and and But, you know, the bank balance is something else. You have seen my tweet <laughs> yesterday with the witness in talking about I have nothing. That's exactly the current state of affairs. However, it's not an indication. Um, it's, it's really for the retweets and the likes, but it does not necessarily define the current oh, state of affairs. You protested so much, say? No, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if anything, I would have either asked for a lift here, but um, that hasn't happened as yet. Um, but before you know, we make it about you and I, I think um, it, it's really been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, we know that President Jacob Zuma recently announced um, free education. Most of the people don't know what it is, what it means, who qualifies. And as you'd have seen, most people are saying, listen, where's leadership? How can he announce and ultimately, you know, go under siege? I think it's because he has no plan. He he doesn't know how exactly to implement it. He doesn't know where to begin with it. And so he just threw it out as a saving line for something, like in the hopes that somebody will catch on and, and, and reel him in or save him. 
I, I don't think, well, probably, um, but, um, you know, as I said, um, Gove is here and probably someone who's been with the Fees Commission for a while um, will see whether the plan really is what it is. Has it changed materially? How does he understand it? And I think, you know, I've, I've been following some of his work. He's been articulating it properly. And, you know, for most, like myself, initially I was a naysayer until I actually paid some time and listened. And I Really? Leadership? You didn't believe in free education? No, 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 not at all. I'm not saying that. I'm, I've, we've been sold, at least myself, mm-hmm. a certain narrative that, you know, um, free education will collapse everything. You know, um, this is what it means. And, and we don't want it now. Let's focus on other things. Okay. Forgetting that if you invest in education, you're investing in a proper functioning country and economy. True. And, and it's high time we look at that. Um, most students are still out there in limbo, not knowing what to do. And that's why we have countryduty.org and we ask students and learners to go into our website, register. We're doing everything that we can to partner them with funders, potentially um, place them, assist with online registrations. But we have someone on our show who's going to discuss that in detail and give us an update. Speaking about um, students who are still in limbo, um, earlier on we spoke Butina Manamela, the Deputy um, Minister of Higher Education, was on one of the radio stations. I just yeah. can't remember which one. And he was talking about this initiative that they have where they are uh, trying to clear the backlog. Sure. So the number that you would have to SMS your ID number or your student number as a matriculant who's still trying to find placing in a university is 49200. Yeah. And these people will then call you back, discuss with you what um, course you want to do, what school you want to go to, and they will try and find a place where, appli- where universities are still taking applications and they will help you along with that line. Um, also, you can join, you can go onto their website, which is cach.dhet.gov. Sure. And I think you'd have to repeat that website before we close the show. Definitely. But what, what we've always said with country duty is we are not going to be sitting and, and not coming up with solutions. It's important that we collaborate with any institution, be it government or private um, sector, to try and, and deal with issues that affect South Africa. We need to be solution-driven and not only just make noise on Twitter or otherwise. Definitely. And I think that's why we have the likes of Mkove today to join us and just you know put the necessary context and let's see how best we can assist um, learners and students out mm-hmm. there. It's all our country duty to do so. And do it properly. Um, if maybe we could just break for a musical, um, and then we can have Mukova join us shortly. Selector. While they're still trying to get, you know, hold of January and other things on the studio, um, perhaps you could please send in your tweets using hashtag CountryDuty and at CliffCentral.com. Um, send us WhatsApp messages and voice notes. On zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero, I repeated zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. You can also tag us at Dumisole at handful underscore K at country GTZA at cliffcentral.com. Welcome back to the Country Duty Show on com. 
Thank you for your WhatsApp messages. Um, we see one that's coming through that says the show promises to be lit. Absolutely, it will be. And as promised, we have Mukove in studio with us. Mm-hmm. Right and right. Thank you so much for for inviting me. I'm I'm happy to be here. Great stuff. So I guess there's no kakati as they always at say. All, at all. Yes. At all. Great stuff. Um. Sure. If you know before we get into most of the things, I think it's always important just for you know our guests to give um, a brief background of who they are, sure. where they come from, so that we can just put the necessary context. Mm. So just tell us briefly about yourself. Okay, I hardly uh, do that, but I yeah. will do it as, as you instruct. <laughs> uh, so I was born in Venda. Yes, uh, lived there my whole life, and then came to Johannesburg, uh, like most uh, matriculants. Uh, in 2007, I enrolled for a BA law. Yeah. And on my first year, there was a huge strike at VET. And on that very day, I was writing a psychology test uh, yeah. for which I was not prepared for. <laughs> and I heard that strikers were going to disrupt the test. So I yes. joined the disruptors of the test. So you were an anarchist uh, yourself? Basically, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's how I actually found myself in politics. I, by that time, I didn't even know which minister was which for what. Sure. Yeah, so I was quickly recruited to student politics by a guy now called Advocate Mtembo. Yes. Um, and Temba Mason. Yes, and yes. they introduced me to the Young Communist League, SASCO, yeah. and Youth League. Yes, and then, well, long story short, I um, three years later I uh, became president of VET. Yep. And then um, during that year, I was doing an honors in structural deficiencies of NSFAS. Okay. And that is pretty much when my interest in higher education policy actually started. Yes. And um, also, I um, I established an NPO that I hoped to. Outlive vets while still serving uh, communities in rural areas like the one that I'm from. Great. And uh, Tusanani Foundation was uh, then joined by like 2,000 additional other volunteers. Interesting. And the more we worked on that, uh, the more the closer I got to higher education policy making as a research interest. Sure. Um, I left vets in 2011. Yeah. I'll keep that date because that would be important when you now ask me about the being a uh, waking. F- being a spy while being a vet student. This is the thing. Because yeah, I mean, uh, one of the tweets, in fact, yeah. and, and one of our followers, yeah. um, mm. a staunch follower said, listen, sure. you know, um, you must ask Mkwevo mm. in so far as him being sure. a spy, I'm, I'm infiltrating um, yeah. the FISMAS for movement. In, in fact, is, is that allegation yeah. correct? In fact, they say I am part of the people who started FISMAS fall for nefarious uh, agendas. <laughs> now, <laughs> the reason why I was giving you that timeline is yes. because... Um, I left vets after my honors in 2011. Yes. And then went to do my master's in uh, local economic uh, geography. Yes. Um, uh, at UJ. After completing my master's, I started working for economic intelligence as a policy and strategy analyst. Okay. I economic went, intelligence, you said. Yeah, that's correct. Not crime intelligence. <laughs> no, no. Is no. there a difference? Yeah, because there's a difference because economic intelligence and, um, is in the Department of Intelligence, whereas, uh, uh, crime intelligence is with Mbalula in the Department I, of Police. I, I see. So people who reference Jack Powell's book and put me in the same line. Economic intelligence, uh, of officers or analysts basically catch economic hitmen. Yes. So those who intend to to uh, blow up your pipe or dist- uh, undermine your currency yes. or anything that impacts negatively on your economy. Yeah. Uh, but as an economic geographer, I was more focused on small businesses. I see. Uh, so, in fact, uh, for example, many people don't know that unemployment is actually a security threat. 
of course. Yeah, a, 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 and a, a, I agree. With you. So, economic yeah. analysts or policy analysts focus on how to deal with unemployment to an extent that your country is not in, uh, threatened. But maybe so, just um, to deflect, and, and sure. I agree with you insofar as sure. it becoming an economic threat. And, and maybe you will, um, once we go in with this interview, address sure. um, the issue of education and yes. how can it, at the very least, um, right. you know, do away or minimize that security yes. threat. Definitely. And, and Bearing in mind the current numbers in so far as the unemployment rate and sure. stuff like that. But um, as you said, and yeah. maybe we should just jump in it. What was your involvement in the Fees Commission, if any? Yes. So in, in fact, uh, immediately after, um, so I worked uh, as a policy and strategy analyst between um, 2013 and yeah. uh, June 2015. Okay. So September 2015, I went to do a PhD in higher education management in England. Sure. So when FISMAS all started, I was in England, so I couldn't have possibly started it. Of course. <laughs> uh, and neither was I a VET student, so I yes. couldn't have been part of VET's activists who started FISMAS fall or infiltrated FISMAS fall because I was not in the country. Sure. Um, but while I was at home, I mean, uh, while I was in uh, in England uh, watching from, I could see, I remember the first day where I saw the, the, the pictures of FISMAS fall, mm. I was very uh, upset because I had never missed a single strike at Vets for 10 years. Yes. Yeah, because I, uh, from my first day at Vets University up until You got today, pulled in. So, the, so the way NASPES would write about me, you would think that I started striking in 2016. No. I have You've a 10-year history of protesting. Sure. Um, I just do both. I protest and write at the same time. And, and I think that's a fine distinction Correct. to a certain extent. But, but yeah. so you've been in the Fees Commission mm-hmm. and, and you've dealt with it. Correct. Let's get to the recent announcement by President than Zoom. What, what we're seeing on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I think with the media as well, to say, you know, um, he came up and confused everyone. And, and what he subsequently did sure. is to ensure that it becomes someone else's responsibility. Yeah. And, and having said that, mm-hmm. we have students who are coming onto Twitter. Firstly, mm-hmm. they say, is it free? Mm-hmm. Do I qualify? Sure. Um, how do I go about accessing it? Mm-hmm. Some of them Go on and, and say, listen, you know, um, government, treasury are not synced in so far sure. as what does this mean? Yeah. How do you understand it and, and what do you think of it? Okay. This is very helpful and it's important, um, uh, that we, we kind of partition this discussion. Yeah. Firstly, um, this FISMAS fall in 2015 and, um, it's demanding the decommodification and decolonization of higher education and arresting the financial and academic genocide on poor students. Right? Yeah. That was at, at the heart of the matter. Yes. It had been a long time coming. Yeah. The difference here was that it was now multi-partisan yes. and no longer like a SASCO strike or a youth league strike. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the president meets students who walked or marched on uh, union buildings. Yes. Uh, and then they meet with all higher, edu- uh, higher education stakeholders and it was re- recommended that fees must be frozen while a new higher education funding model is established. Yes. Yeah? Now, when that happens, everybody is invited to come and participate and make submissions to the fees commission. Yes. So, unfortunately, I was in England throughout until November, uh, uh, November 2016. Yes. We went to make a presentation. I was home then because from July each year I lecture at the University of Johannesburg yep. and then go back after the, the lecture and comes to an end. So we made presentation there on what we thought was the uh, an alt- the right alternative to, uh, to the current commodified uh, higher education, which excludes the majority and really um, attend to, the, to a few who either can afford or lucky enough to bump into a bursary. So anyway, long story short, that commission took two years. Uh, it eventually submitted its report in August. 
Yes. Now, when it submits uh, its report in August, the government takes three months to process it. Yep. In response to that commission, government, in our interpretation, has done the following. Yeah. One, they've said we take about 90% of the recommendations of the higher report. What are those? Because many people are saying, no, the, the, the president's announcement flies in the face of the higher report. And it's it's exactly because they didn't never read the 750 pages. Indeed. Because, and, and, yeah. and isn't it, you know, what, what, what either was on the front page, sure. for example? Sure. And, and I think that's probably the next thing that you most likely yeah. I'll tell discuss. You why, and I'll just tell, you tell why us why, why yeah. do you think it's been that narrative sure. to a certain extent? The government accepted everything from the fees commission except for one thing called the income contingency loan model. Yes. Now, that prop, the, the ICL model simply says, listen, you can't afford free higher education for the poor and the working class who are effectively 45% of your student population. Yeah. But we recommend that you underwrite student loans via commercial banks on behalf of everybody, regardless of their family background, regardless of whether they're in a public or private university. That's contradictory. But surely that's ridiculous? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because how can I not afford to subsidize 405,000 students yeah. or 45% of the public, uh, undergraduate students, but now I can underwrite billions of rents on behalf of 2 million students because all students in public, private universities and colleges put together, they are just above 2 million. Yes. But they are saying, no, you will get revenue in future and if the students work, they will pay the banks, but should they not, should they drop out and not get a job or should they graduate and get a job that doesn't pay enough, then you must pay the banks. It's a debt trap basically. Now, I'm one of the people who were part of the technical committee that was processing the report. Yes. When we resisted that loan scam. That's when you start seeing headlines about us. So you effectively disrupted a, 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 a system that may well have or would potentially prejudice the poor and deserving students. It would not matter which government you have at the union buildings held. The government adopted that multi-billion rent scam. Yes. That government was going to tie itself and every young people in this country to lifelong debt. Now, when you're tied to lifelong debt to the banks, you cannot take any meaningful policy without the permission of the banks. Absolutely. So why not just put Maria Ramos at the union buildings then? Because in actual fact, that loan regime has failed in Great Britain. Yes. What is effectually, effectually, effectively happened in Britain is that the idea here is that don't give students free education, give them loans as a way of reducing national treasury debt. Actually, in all countries which have adopted income contingency loan model, because the loan is underwritten by the government, in other words, the government becomes the guarantor of the, yes. like a family when you're trying to, your, you know, your mother has more money, so you can't afford, you, you can't afford to, to, to buy a, get a bond. Exactly. So she comes as, as your surety. Yeah. What happens is when you default, the government, your, your mother, in this yeah. case, the government, uh, must uh, pay the banks. The question you should ask is, what happens when the government defaults? Yeah. The banks are legally allowed to attach all your state assets. Hence, I'm telling you that had you adopted that loan model, not only were students going to skin this government alive, yes. but also this government would have been given to the highest creditor. Indeed, and and very unfortunate, and ultimately becomes a burden on taxpayer. So just briefly touch on maybe the three most important recommendations of the Hefa report. Yeah. Um, and um, hey, sorry, mm-hmm. I must get it right Correct. because there was Judge Hefa and, and no. suddenly, we, you know, we, no, there is we the Hefa report, and according to the Zaipiro, yes. there is the Hefa report, which is the president. <laughs> which is the president, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. just touch on the three, you know, um, I'd say highlight or, mm. or main recommendations. Mm. How you view them? Sure. And and then let's get on to the how mm. insofar as who qualifies. Sure. Is it really a qualification or there's mm. you know terms and conditions? Sure. Yep. No problem. Uh, number one is that 
uh, in response to the gross underfunding of the sector, uh, government has decided to increase GDP's proportional expenditure from 0.68% to 1% uh, towards university subsidies. Now, this is important uh, to me to understand that the reason why fees had been going so up so much yes. is because government subsidy to universities had been proportionally declining. Yeah. So universities have two sources of funds, subsidy and student fees. Correct. The lower the subsidy, the higher the student fees. Indeed. Yeah? The higher the so subsidy, they can recoup. Yeah. you freeze the fees. Yes. So that is the first thing. That's why anybody who comes from households yeah. Earning below 600,000 rand will not, will experience 0% fee increment. That's the first decision. Okay. The second one is that government has decided to update a long outdated and stagnant definition of who is poor and working class from young people. Uh, you know, for you to be called poor and working class in, in the past or before this decision, you would have to come from households earning below 122,000 rand combined. Yeah. Now it's up to 350,000 rand. So what is done is, to a certain extent, open it up for It has made for the, most the, people. the cycle of poor and working class people slightly bigger. Yes. In fact, the question you should, you, you should bear in mind is that uh, who falls within the category of zero to 350,000 rand? It's actually 90% of South African households. And which, not just South yeah. African households. We're talking about black Literally. In the Eastern households. Cape, it's 96% of that province. So is my own province, Limpopo and KwaZulu-Natal. Yes. Yes. Now, what, why is this important? Many people think that universities are black and therefore they are full of poor people. Actually, the opposite is the case. The top 10% South African families in terms of earning and wealth, their children make up 45, I mean 55% of the student population, meaning that the bottom 90% families who are now eligible for free education currently are grossly underrepresented and their children only make up 45% of the student population. The uglier way of saying this is that if you line up 10 parents here, the tenth parent, who is the richest parent, has six children at university, and the both the other nine parents share just four. So that's why you had this thing called missing middle, missing middle. Yes, that concept doesn't exist in real life because the people who have been called missing middle were neither middle class in socioeconomic terms nor in the middle of any income spectrum. In fact, those were victims of an outdated definition of who's poor and working class who were handed over to loan sharks. Yes. Those students are now part of the poor and working class. So what the, the government has done is to divide South African students into cla two classes. Yes. You are part of the bottom 90%. You are therefore poor and working class. We are going to give you free education. You are part of the top 10% amongst whom 95% of South African wealth reside. Sorry, you will pay for yourself. This does, this angers one market called a multi-billion billion rand student loan market because you have the bottom 90% now for receiving free education and you've got the top top 10% people who yes. don't need a loan to go to school they pay for themselves yes. so edu loan experienced an instant death the moment <laughs> the president opened his mouth indeed and, and that's why there would be some oppositions here hence yeah. you saw yeah. the so so some of the myths for example was that this thing is going to cost 40 billion rand at the time when the sunday times said so it was 14 one four but they were trying to scare South Africans away from this historic moment so that they think that somehow it's good, this is going to impact negatively on them. In fact, they were doing spade work for the loan cartels. Yeah. So I have a question for you. With it having been done the way it is right now, mm. um, the implementation, the children who are coming now, the matriculants who just matriculated, do they come go to the school with the parents uh, pay slips or whatever combined and they give it to the school and the school now has to say, okay, you're coming in and where would, and, and there's no so, sure. like how do you the guys admin of it, yes. yeah, 
no problem at all. You see, one of the more one of the misinformation that has been going around there, because mainstream in South Africa has become synonymous with fake news, mm. uh, is that somehow this is just some huge process. Some a, a big plan is necessary, and a big administrative chaos uh, is going to uh, ensue. In actual fact, there are two hundred and three thousand spaces available for first years in South African uni- universities. Okay, over six hundred thousand matriculants road metric mm-hmm. over 300,000 of them applied for NSFAS. In South Africa you don't have an, a shortage of applicants. You have a shortage of available spaces. Mm-hmm. Even when people talk about uh, walk-ins uh, I, I don't think there's fundam- anything fundamentally wrong with what the EFF leader was saying. He, ju- he may have communicated it better because there are three types of walk-ins in South Africa. There's walk-in for late application, walk-in for registration and walk-in for late registration. Now, because you've got a stratified sector where some universities uh, web, you know, uh, have a, a very poor online application process and others have a sophisticated. At UJ, there's no need to walk in. You simply need to travel from your village to town, spend 20 rand and log in onto their .mobi website and you can apply for whatever space that's available had you not applied because you didn't know there would be free education. Mm-hmm. At VUT, they are bound to have a walk-in because their system is manual. You must first certify documents and go and queue. So those two distinctions were critical. And then, of course, late, apli- late, late registration. That will happen for those who, because they didn't know there was free education, did not apply for NSFAS, are afraid because it's a loan. Now they know it's a grant and you don't have to pay it back. The NSFAS says if you have a firm offer at a university, whether you applied to university last year or as a process of late application, for as long as you have that piece of paper called a firm offer, then we are going to assist you. It means to access free education, you need two letters. A firm offer from university and a firm offer from NSFAS. You go with it, you go to registration, you register. You go to the dining hall, you get food. You go to accommodation, you get a key. One letter. Really? So it it covers um, the accommodation and meals as well? Full cost of study. That, you know, people haven't even read the president's uh, statement. <laughs> or they, they've never, they just basically talk about it because they Sunday yeah, because they I mean, say one of something the, about the major, it. One of the major questions... Uh, Thoughts we had a problem with I think um, it was Lee Jones who's one of our Country duty members as well Mm. brought it up That we what about the students Who are now coming in from the rural Areas or who when they come To the site they're going to have a problem with accommodation They're going to have problems with transport and Mm. food And all of that stuff Mm. so if you say That this is all covered in, in In it this is how it works You know fortunately I've served at Vets University's council for readmissions committee For at least eight years And he said effectively this is Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is that NSFAS is no longer dishing out loans, it's dishing out grants. Mm-hmm. Not the same process that applied last year and previous years. If you have experienced, for example, an ESCOM bazaar, ESCOM simply sends you a letter. Yeah. It doesn't matter which part of the country you're in. With that letter, they even send you bus tickets. With right. that letter, when you arrive at the enrollment center, you register. They give you a student card. They say there is Fanscake. You go to Fanscake, they give you books. Yep. They say there is the residence office. You go there, they give you a key, provided you had applied. The idea that anybody can walk to a university having not applied for admission nor a scholarship is a bit far-fetched. And that's why I'm saying maybe the leader of the opposition could have communicated it better to say only those who passed well and meet the entrance requirements but never applied to university because they didn't know there was free education. Please check which university you want to go to because if it's a VUT, you must go there in person. If it's UJ, rush to the next internet cafe and only spend 20 rand, not an 800 rand bus ticket from the Eastern Cape to, to a non-existent queue.
that, so that the, makes the challenge sorry. right now that, sorry the yeah. challenge right now that they have is actually just finding enough accommodation for the students that are coming in in an influx definitely in fact there's a shortage of 800,000 beds in South African universities as revealed by the statistician general vets can only accommodate about 25% of its student population but what is more criminal is the fact that when people talk about free higher education they need to understand the anatomy of the full cost of study it costs more to live in Bramfontein than to study at UJ. So yes. when we analyze what are we dealing with, we must analyze that you are, when when the university fees go up, the, the anatomy of university fees is as follows. Food, 120,000 rendered vets. 60,000 of that goes to food, it goes to accommodation, and then of course a, a bit of books. So the, the remaining goes to tuition fee. But of that tuition fee, 60% of that goes to salaries. So three key drivers of fees. Salaries, Accommodation cartels, slum landlords, and of course dining hall cartels who sell mass-produced steamed pap at the same price as shop right outside, despite having five thousand students who will eat at a go. All that pr- those prices need to be investigated so that we deal with the anatomy of the full cost of study. Beyond that, municipalities must not be selling buildings to 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 landlords who are going to exploit students instead give them to universities and understand that students will live there at a subsidized rate and you've got guaranteed rent for life so the problem is people have been looking at the at the university from inside as a geographer i look i stand in the village or in a township and look inwards that way you you understand that the obstacles are nowhere near the vet's gate they start when you wake up when you commute where you sleep where you eat and eventually where you get into vets and that way in my opinion you can diagnose what is truly wrong with a commodified and outsourced higher education system so if i may um and, and just to you know in the interest of time mm. then three criterias for qualification regarding this free higher education correct um what are those um does sure. it mean if i've graduated or, or you know left metric in 1999 yes. and fall within that uh, threshold yes can i Subject to, you know, that offer. I mean, and, and I understand that. Yes. Walk in and say, listen, um, I want to do a Bachelor of Laws mm. and, and stuff like that. Does that, yes. will that be applicable? And is it something that universities would have mm. to consider and apply? That's a very important point, uh, to me. The, the important, uh, principle to get out of this whole con- co- uh, 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 conversation is that a university firm offer, also known as an acceptance letter. Yeah. Is a precondition for accessing free higher education grants. Yes. You can't get a grant and you don't have a space at university. Hence, late application has to be open for those who didn't apply, not knowing there's free education, for them to get the FM offer first and then access free education. So it doesn't matter when you graduated. It doesn't matter where you wrote metric. Ne? For as long as you've got an acceptance letter and you are enrolled in your first year of study, you are going to get in. Yeah. Now, but number two, if you were on NSFAS and you're in your second, third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth year, if you're doing medicine, and you were on NSFAS, your loan package has been effectively converted to a grant, so you don't have to pay it back. This is important for two reasons. In University of Venda currently, 80% of their students are on NSFAS, but in Stalinbosch, 8% of their students are on NSFAS, yeah. which means University of Venda is effectively celebrating 100% coverage of free education right now, not first years, everybody. Yeah. Whereas in Stellenbosch, for as long as, for as long as the numbers of the poor and the working class remain at 
that embarrassing 8%, then it's only 8% that will experience free education because free education is ring fence uh, 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 to children of the bottom 90% who earn below 350,000 rand a year. So it doesn't matter when you matriculate it. You got the firm offer, you are inside. That's that's very helpful. Um, Rami, I don't know if you have a few questions. And Yes, I do. Welcome to the As show. As always. Yes. Thank you, guys. Trying to be famous is not easy, but hey, I'm here. I made it. How are you, uh, you. Mister Free Education? Thank you so much, man. I'm 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 so intrigued. I was listening to your interview, and I was just wondering, you know, a few things that I want to check with um, the implementation of the system because not only is it the idea of that it's free education, everyone can walk in, but I wanted us to also um, explore different solutions, yes. especially for students, because I think one of the biggest issues that students who are leaving metric, mm-hmm. who are, who are school leavers, yeah. who, uh, there's some of the systems that they look down upon, which I personally think can also help yes. with getting education because just yes. because there's free education doesn't mean everyone is guaranteed a space. Absolutely. Do you understand? Yes, so I think that's when we also need to, to explore the possibility mm-hmm. of, um, of corresponding yes. of UNISA, Indeed. for instance, where someone can be able to attend and do that degree without actually having stepped in a room sure. because UNISA, for instance, they go to different community halls for, to do their exams and mm. all of that. And which is actually even cheaper Indeed. because we, like you just said, most of the money goes to accommodation yeah. and, uh, and food. Yeah. So when someone doesn't have accommodation, even when they've got a firm letter of acceptance, mm-hmm. where do they stay? They end up not going to the, particular university because the accommodation is not guaranteed. Okay. So I was thinking maybe we should also explore the possibilities mm. of saying to school leavers mm. there are other ways of obtaining your 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 degree. You don't have to physically be there under someone's voice supervising. Yes. You know, there's so many ways of dealing with that. And then I just wanted to check does the free education mm. this free education also caters cater for a UNISA um Great, uh, UNISA student, for instance, okay. and because with UNISA they've got unlimited amounts. You know that's, what I that's mean? That's correct. Yeah. So, so, you know? so, so the answer is twofold. Yeah. It's yes. That's the first one. But number two, I want to uh, just break down the student population composition in South Africa. Yeah. There are over nine hundred and forty thousand students. Three hundred thousand of them are at UNISA. 300,000 of them are in historically black universities and universities of technology. Mm-hmm. And the remaining 300,000 is in elite institutions. Yeah. Importantly, South Africans need to know an alternative vocational route called TVET colleges is yes. 100% free. Yeah. And That's its graduates are go. more employable than a dentist. <laughs> If, if we're, if we're not yes, to this, the profession. Because they're more, yeah, they're more, pr- the they're demand, more practical. You know? Yes. Because South Africa is a construction site, right? Yeah. Which means there will be a need for a plumber and a welder more frequently. Yeah. Than someone to clean my teeth. Uh-huh. Right? So, so young people also need to know that more and more opportunities will be coming in overalls than suits. And then also, uh, I've been asking my friends, if these are public universities, Hey, let's, in, let's install cameras in all lecture theaters. Let's beam all these lectures in every ho- person's house. Yeah. Why is it that we are commodifying teaching and learning when we have actually bestowed the, 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 the responsibility to reverse the legacy of apartheid yeah. to education? Yes, and at the same I, time, we that's treat what it we like call, an that, afterthought. That's, so, that's so, what we call free. So because if you. we are beaming like that yes. and then everything is spread, it doesn't matter where you, you are. But all you, you need kill is the landlord. That's yeah, why they will fight. Yeah, exactly. But then that's when you know that 
all you need is your student card, yep. the registration, Indeed. you get free, uh, free education, and when you go write exams, you're recognized. Indeed. You know, all you need to do is to just register on a system somewhere. Definitely. Or I think one. it's a historic moment that must be, uh, for example, what we did. We, we didn't know, contrary to popular belief, that there would be free education. But, uh, <laughs> but we've always dreamt about it. I mean, if you look no, at the been, Freedom Charter, been, for example. I, I, have a, I have a T-shirt of 2009 when I was chairperson of SASCO. In front, it was written towards the immediate realization of free higher education. Except that the towards was written towards, that there was an error with the R being uh, at the right place. But we've but seen this that thing with, has been a <laughs> with NC cakes and other things and stuff. But anyway, it is what it is. So, so, so it's been a long time coming. But what we do, and which I think every villager who is in the city must do, every time you go home, whether it's June holidays or whenever, you take university material and take students in the school you matriculate, matriculated from yeah. on a step-by-step guide to accessing higher education opportunities, yes. whether it's TVET or university. Correct. We applied for 6,000 students at UJ just as one organization. So when free education came, we knew that at least if at least 1,000 of them make it, we would have ambushed the admission system. Mm-hmm. Now you can imagine if that's why this drama about late application, it shouldn't actually exist if people are proactive enough. Because yeah. applying online is free. So why are we spending too much time on Facebook when you a day you could apply for 10 kids and you would not lose a cent about it? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the conversation can go on for the longest of time. Sure. But um, thank you for coming in, uh, leadership. And I think we, we want to urge, in fact, before you go, yeah. one important question that came in, and I think you need to uh, address. Mm-hmm. Someone asked, this free education, does it, and on, on our WhatsApp line, 079-748-2090, mm-hmm. does it mean for postgraduate students, for example, sure. would they qualify? And, mm-hmm. and, and if so... Um, do universities know about this or mm. otherwise? No, so the free education as it stands is for undergraduate students, right? But it's actually um, being coming from the Center for Imaging Researchers. I can say it now that if you go to imagingresearchers.org, yes. you will find that we are offering scholarships for honors and masters and PhDs. Correct. But also that we will also provide you with links to the National Research Foundation, which is the primary custodian of postgraduate scholarships based at the Department of Science and Technology. So it, uh, remember, an honors is just 20,000 rand. Yes. So, the, so postgraduate degrees are highly, highly overrated. First is just one year, and number two, they are not as flamboyant as they seem, and yes. two, they are cheaper. So, so, so everyone, even if it means spending one more year doing honors or a master's, please do it. And uh, we have a research center that we are, we are encouraging Africans to, to, to pursue these research degrees so that they can question uh, mainstream narratives, whether mm-hmm. perpetuated by academics or media. It doesn't matter. Sure. Thank you so much. I think Pleasure. let's continue the conversation using the hashtag country duty. Mm-hmm. At Lift Central, and um, you can follow um, Mr. Mukwevo, yes, um, at Morris underscore Mukove, yes, uh, and at at Ramichwene, at Handful underscore K. And let's have the conversation going. Sure. Thank you, leader. Thank you. So, um, we're moving on as, as we said to our next guest, and the train is running as always. We have a call. Coming in, and Handful Care will be dealing with that appropriately. Over to you. We're going to be taking your calls on zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. Please call us and join in the conversation. Any questions that you have regarding adoptometric, which is what we're going to be discussing next, a country duty initiative that we started, and um, with Neville, uh, that aims at 
matching matriculants with uh, corporates or universities that are going to be taking them in for higher education learning. We're also going to be talking very soon to Oreo, who is the founder of an organization called Rea'aha Schools Festivals, which basically also going to be talking to matriculants and um, encouraging them with their future plans and um, corporations. Do we have Nevo, um, Do we have Oreo online? You do. Hi, Oreo. Hello. How are you? Good day, okay? Good day, Linda. Good day, Linda. Good day, Linda. Good day, not a problem. I'm actually laughing by myself because I've never actually gone on a national platform to be called Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the name that you introduced yourself to me as. And I like it. It's so sweet. I almost, I almost asked why Oreo, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just feeling like you're probably dark as chocolate. <laughs> or duck as a ro- Oreo biscuit But hey, you who know knows what? It's a name that I picked up in high school And it stuck with me forever and ever And it's still sticking So, yeah Okay we read, yeah. I, well, I appreciate I think it's it's lovely So, oh, could you. you tell us a little bit more About your, the uh, Riaja Schools Festivals? Okay um, Well, Riaja is basically a project um, That we came up with That looks at Um creating a festival for matriculants in township areas specifically. It's a four day event that will be taking place from July tenth to the to, to the thirteenth. Um and it has a, an array of uh, different activities that the matriculants can take advantage of from workshops to motivational talks to exhibitions. <coughs> Sorry. And we're currently looking at just over 3,000 um, matriculants attending over the course of the four days in total. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing. That's great. So how did you come about with it? What inspired it? Well, the aim of, of Ra'acha is really to kind of expose, to inform, and, and to create. Um, many of these kind of events already exist. Some of them are actually on a far bigger scale. Um, but not so many of them are specifically targeted at learners in township schools. And we wanted to afford these matriculants the same kind of opportunities, resources, information, and environments that <clears throat> help them become better, um, the same way that kids in suburban or private schools get. Um, so we kind of took the responsibility to, to do better so that they can do better, so that they can be better. Um, so we wanted to offer um, opportunities, um, a buzzery where we can. And if it's not possible, then we wanted to shed light on the different kind of gaps that are available for these kids um, post-matric, whether it's getting into a program that will sharpen you and give you practical experience or, or getting into the military or whatever it may be. So if that's, that's really just... <laughs> what we wanted to do that that's what inspired it we wanted to to help these kids to help the kids in township areas be better and give them the opportunities that they also deserve okay all right i've got a couple of questions for you because um i'm listening to what you're saying like the way you are uh, you encouraging the youth to kind of like find out what it is that they really want to do but yeah. now what which fields do you focus on uh specifically because i know okay i did matric like a very 
very long time ago when it was still called Form 5. And I think one of the biggest challenges that I had was that the bursaries that were available was Mm. for either maths and science, engineering, Mm. you know, architecture, accounting and all of that. And you find that unconventional careers like your music, your fine arts, your drama, your dance, um, Basically, what you do physically with your body, whether it could, mm. it could, it could be, uh, like what, um, what Morris was saying, talking about like the, the soap, and the plumbing, the blue overalls, the stuff, hand on, the mm. hands on, mm. that you find yeah. that they actually, they don't get, they don't get as encouraged as the other so-called serious careers. So yeah. are you looking into those, the so-called unconventional ones and Definitely. how do you get help and who's helping you and how do you go about it so that the young ones can know that they can actually make something? Out of that kind of that line of work, you know, your fashion designers, your graphic designers, and so on and so forth. Definitely. Well, that's actually a very really great question, and it kind of highlights um, some of the things that we wanted to take into consideration when we were coming up, when we were conceptualizing Raaha. Is that the jobs that were there, if particularly for people of color, the mm-hmm. jobs that were there some ten, fifteen years ago are not the jobs that you find people right now are taking an interest in. I mean, we've got people that are more interested in social media and fashion, like you're, you're saying, which is why we are, between now and and the main event, we're doing different kinds of um, campaigns, to say, on a much smaller scale, whether mm. it be workshops or school visits or mm. what, whatever it may be, with different kinds of people. I mean, we're starting next week at, um, we're doing a school visit in Mamelodi at a school called Bonalesedi and we're taking we're taking um, like five different kinds of people um, in different kinds of industries to kind of just talk to these kids, tell them, give them um, a word about what they are doing, how they broke into the industries that they are in and kind of just give them insight on navigating the way forward. Mm. And it's, it's these kinds of um, um, careers that these kids are taking interest in a lot. So yes, we are we are working, we're trying to tap into whatever we can, who we're speaking to, whoever we can speak to, whether it be about film, whether it be about media, like mm. uh, your radio, your TV, whatever it may be, we're getting into those markets. We're trying to get all these people to actually come through to the event and exhibit and speak to the kids one-on-one yeah. and do workshops, you understand. Okay, I understand. But thank you so yeah. much. We kind of run out of time and we need to just it's cover as much as we can. But thank you so much for talking to us. And we'll be keeping tabs on you. Keep us updated, <laughs> obviously, using the hashtag country duty, the same way that we found you. And thank yeah, you. Let, let's know how you how, how it's going, the developments and how we can pitch in. You know, we can always link you with a whole lot of people, a whole lot of organizations that might I help you, that. you know, um, Get what you want, basically. So we'll be keeping tabs on you. But thank you so much for taking time out. Thank you so much, Aurea. Thank you, everyone. And that is Aurea from Reaacha. Great stuff. Um, we now move, and, and as I said, this is a moving train, um, from Comrade, uh, Anakide or slash spy, who mm-hmm. in our view really dealt with it properly and, and debunked all the myths, um, to Reaacha, which is a great initiative and, and important to what um, country duty has been doing and an update. You would have seen the tweets regarding adopt the metric. Mm. And we have one of our team members who will introduce himself and just tell us, um, where are we? What is this about? And, and the likes. Cool. 
Hi everyone, um, thanks for the opportunity. I'm Neville, um, I'm the IT person, if you can call me that, for Country Duty. <coughs> Hi Neville, welcome. Hi Neville. Okay, mm. cool. So let's talk about the website and how it started. Let's talk about the website and how it started. So last, well, early last week, um, on Wednesday, Tuesday evening or so, we had a discussion in our team in Country Duty about what we could do regarding helping out um, with matriculants, etc., and then on Thursday morning, we decided to make it a thing. So Dumi posted out the tweet saying, um, hashtag adopt the metric, how many people are willing to help out matriculants, etc." And then at the same time, we started a website on countryduty.org where a matriculant can come in and say, I'm a matriculant, I need help with X, Y, or Z. And then we, you, you also then put in your location and where you are. It could be, let's say, for example, if you're in a rural area, just specify in as much detail as you can where you are. And then from there on, we try to match you up with somebody who also comes in and says, I can help out. I live in this area. I can help out with X, Y, or Z. And then based on that, we find matches. And if you, if you both live in, let's say, a rural, a rural province, sorry, a rural village in Northwest, yep. and you are a matriculant and you, we find you somebody who can help you out or adopt you, we then match you with that person and then they can help you out with what you need. Yeah. Um, the challenge though has been that, um, as Mukabe, Mukabe mentioned earlier, there hasn't been a lot of information and clarity in terms of what is needed at what point, et cetera, because, for example, right now, we are focusing mainly on registrations, and then obviously after that, we can then start looking at, okay, cool, you've made it to university, you're going to UJ, you're going to study X, Y, and Z, what else do you need? And this is where I think um, Adoptometric is going to become much more important. Um, so obviously, we started off as a you know, spare-of-the-moment thing, but we'd like to make it an, a thing that's going to go on into the air so we can help out these matriculants. So what can people do um, if they want to be involved in this initiative and, and at least take it to a certain extent, um, be it corporate or otherwise? So the simplest thing you can do is go onto the website, countryduty.org, register and say this is what you, um, you're able to help with or you can assist with. And then from there on, when you get your match, we'll send you an notification. We started sending out matches um, earlier today. So some people would have got a notification saying, hey, we found you somebody who's willing to help you or, hey, we found you somebody who you're willing to help. The other thing that we've been working on, um, which we should we should be ready very soon, is in terms of corporates specifically that would like to come in, there might be some students who need um, help with registration fees or textbook fees or anything, and we're going to list them um, on the website so that as a corporate you can come in and say, I'll adopt or we'll adopt these matriculants so we can help, um, help them out with what they need. Stuff. So it's it's really an interactive type of website and 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 really beneficial to to a certain extent. So Neville, I wanted to know what about the students who uh, are, f have already been studying? They've already been um, in varsity. So, do, so let's say they, second years and, and yeah, about, and yeah. they have they have probably outstanding fees or registration problems, and they can so, can they also. Okay, cool. So this is a challenge because we must remember that there are already other initiatives that are taking place. So one of, one of the initiatives that I refer people to go to is Phoenix. I think it's feenix.org.za. You can just Google it and find it. I'm not sure if I remember the address mm -hmm. correctly. And that's where a lot of people, um, go in and say, I, I need help with this. Um, then they list how much they need, etc. The other place that you must remember is the, the, the Department of Higher Education's website, it's C -A -C -A -C -H -C -A -C -H 
gov.za. We'll also put that um, link on our website. Great stuff. And that's it for the first show. I think it was informative and the likes. The podcast will be up first thing in the morning. Thank you very much for tuning in. And Absolutely. let's get it going on Twitter. Yeah. Can I just say before we go, I know CIC is going to be very mad at me, but compliments of the new season. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs> so look, goodbye guys. See you next week. This is cliffcentral.com.